Let's see what's under the hood of today's guest. Lastly, I think it's important for any community manager to be able to understand and interpret data, whether that's for you know having those internal conversations about what value the community is bringing the organization, or even just understanding like, hey, I spent a lot of time on this particular event series and no one cared at all. Like, maybe I shouldn't do it again. And so being able to understand the, the data from your efforts and pivoting based on that is also important. Welcome to Under the Hood of Developer Marketing, the podcast devoted to developer marketing, relations, evangelism, and advocacy. I'm Stathis Jorakopoulos, and I'm your host. In each episode, I welcome a guest from the developer marketing world. We talk about best practices, challenges, lessons learned, and share insights, data, and experiences to help you boost your devrel game, talk to, and engage with developers. This podcast is brought to you by Slash Data, the leading analyst of the developer economy, and devrelx.com, a hub devoted to providing resources for developer marketing professionals including developer ecosystem trends, news and job openings, webinars, a book, and a bi-weekly digest you can subscribe to. Access them all at devralex.com. Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of Under the Hood of Developer Marketing Season 3. I really hope you enjoyed our latest insights on the 20th state of the developer nation. If you haven't, you can access the full report for free at slashdata.co under free resources. One more announcement before we welcome today's guest, uh, one we're really excited about. We just announced the full speaker lineup for the upcoming Future Developer Summit on June 9, focusing on developer-led business growth. You can see the speakers and grab your free pass or request a thought leader pass at futuredeveloper.io. So today we have a very special guest, Alex Angel, who is the Chief Community Officer at Comsor. Alex, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Really excited to be here today and chat with you. We're really excited to have you. So as a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, man. I mean, there were a bunch of things that I wanted to be at various points. Um, but ultimately, it was uh, working in space. And not as an astronaut, because I am terrified of heights, uh, but I wanted to do something that involved rocket ships. And that is actually what I ended up pursuing through all of my education. And I got my degree in astrophysics, which I have never used, uh, but was what I was working towards from a child. Wow, that that's very, very, very interesting. You know, I... For my part, you know, as a hobby, I really like astrophysics and, you know, reading about these kind of things. But I, I always thought as a kid that would be like too tough, uh, I think, to pursue. So awesome for you, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it was great and really, really interesting, but there are just not that many jobs in it. And when I was graduating, especially, the economy was not in a great place. And so there were very, very few opportunities, which is ultimately how I got into community management. Um, so much more interesting to follow, not super practical to actually study in university. Yeah. And I guess fear of heights doesn't really match, you know, rocket science. Yeah, <laughs> these, definitely. These things don't go together. Yeah. So do you want to take us through your uh, journey from an aspiring rocket scientist to chief community officer? Uh, you know, there's uh, these are totally two different things, but I, I like to hear about your journey there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
like many community folks, I had a meandering path through the world of community management. And I, I mean, my very first job was actually building lasers for the U.S. Army, which was another interesting side diversion. But when I was graduating, there were no real jobs available in what I was interested in, like I said. And so out of desperation and a little hope, I emailed the folks at Reddit and said, hey, do you need an unpaid intern? I will be that unpaid intern. Um, and they said, absolutely, we do. And so that was how I actually got my start in community um, as the, I think my title is community outreach manager. And I was one of the very first employees there and had no idea what I was getting myself into. And a lot of it was learning about community on the fly. I had done it a little bit beforehand. I was a guild leader for a video game back in the day and then had moderated a few subreddits before joining the team, but didn't really know what it meant on a professional level. And it was really a crash course in pretty much every single aspect of community management. And it made me realize that it was something that I, I actually really enjoyed and wanted to pursue long-term. But, you know, for anyone who has been a moderator of a really big forum or a subreddit or has done any kind of like video game community management, you get burned out after a while. And so I needed to take a break from doing it full time and ended up pursuing some of my other interests, which were project and product development. So I, I did that for a number of years and built websites and new products and business models for a few companies uh, in Portland, Oregon. And then on the side, I had been keeping, keeping to my community roots by doing consulting um, with a, a main focus on crisis management and community strategy. And then with the pandemic, I was having that existential crisis of like, what am I even doing with my life? And realized that I wanted to do community again full time. And so had been connected to the folks at Comsor and the community club and was really, really interested in learning more about what they were up to and seeing if there was any way that I could work with them, whether it was consulting capacity or otherwise. And then after that first meeting, I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. How do I do this full time? Like, please, please take me, please hire me. And what I am really passionate about is not just community management, but helping other community managers feel supported and empowered and creating that education and environment for people to collaborate and really learn and make sure that they can have a network of people that they can connect with and reach out to and collaborate with. Um, and so that is what I am currently doing in my role as chief community officer. Awesome. And this has been a great journey uh, from emailing Reddit to uh, guys, do you need any unpaid interns? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, just browsing through Reddit, um, How, how do I put it? There are many, you know, very passionate communities out there. So uh, I guess great job if you, if you manage to do that. But I think it was a, a great school, you know, in a way of how communities work that uh, must have really helped you onwards. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned uh, life, you know, during the uh, lockdown due to the pandemic and 
I don't know of one single person who didn't have an existential crisis, you know, during <laughs> that time, myself included. But thankfully, uh, as it shows, you know, vaccines are on the rise. There's more um, uh, drugs coming our way. Uh, at least this is what I've been reading. Uh, <laughs> more things are opening up, you know, for us to do. So what are you most looking forward to, you know, now that life seems to be getting back to normal? I am most excited about being able to travel again. And I know it's probably going to be a while before that sort of travel is acceptable, but I was really, really passionate about traveling and experiencing other cultures beforehand and being cooped up. And I actually had COVID for a long time and I'm still dealing with the fallout of that. Like being able to travel is so important for what I want to do and like who I am. Um, but in the short term, more realistically, I would just love to go and like sit at a bar with friends and have a cocktail. Wow. That sounds crazy. You know, who that, you know, something that we did like on a, a weekly, let's say basis on average, you know, sitting in a bar with friends. Now it's like, uh, Oh God, I wish I could do that. Yeah, <laughs> but, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. What's the first country you want to travel to? Well, I'm, I'm moving internationally later this year, but the, if I have the opportunity to travel before that, uh, I would love to go to France. Um, my husband and I had actually spur of the moment bought tickets in late 2019 to go to Paris. Uh, and of course that did not end up happening in 2020. So I've had this kind of pent up urge to go there and just have like some really good cheese and a baguette maybe some wine. Yeah, that, that would be my dream. Yeah, I feel you had the exact same situation, but, you know, traveling towards the East, not towards the West. So <laughs> I, had, I had tickets for the, you know, visiting US. And uh, now I only have, you know, this urge as soon as everything's safe again, I'm doing that trip, you know, postponing nothing after what we saw in the year in the past. Yeah. Where are you planning on going? I've always wanted, you know, to go to California and do like the road trip between San Francisco, Los Angeles. So should be something along these lines and, you know, spending a few days here and there. That'd be awesome. That, that drive is fantastic along the coast. Just absolutely stunning. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've heard. So looking forward to experience it, you know, firsthand. Nice. Now, let's talk some data. Uh, can you please pick a graph from derelicts.com slash trends and tell us why or what stands out to you? Yes, I am looking at the information sources used by desktop developers graph. And this one jumped out to me because essentially it's like the top five out of six, if not all six of those responses are all community. And I think that that's just like such a good indicator that communities are critical for the support and success of developers. And the same can be said for non-devs too, but I think in this case, like it's so interesting that the immediate reaction is like, oh, I'm gonna go to an open source community or I'm gonna go to a forum and I'm gonna have this conversation and get that support and education from my peers. And, you know, from, I, I guess from uh, your perspective, you know, coming from community, it kind of also validates all the efforts you're putting into that. Yeah, absolutely. Because 
I mean, the, the main thing that we care about as community people is creating that welcoming, safe environment for people to form those relationships and to have those questions and to feel comfortable asking a question and confident that they will get some kind of resolution, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have used already this word like uh, a couple of times now, but like, let's make sure you have a basis of reference, you know, for uh, this interview and uh, to better understand, you know, uh, what community is. So what counts as a community? There are a lot of different ways you can think about community and communities. But for me, what it boils down to is a group of people who are intentionally gathering around a particular interest. And that in interest could be a hobby, a product, a company, a programming language, whatever. But these people are actively choosing to be there in that space and to participate and maintain relationships with other people in that space. Yeah. yeah this is you know, also the idea that gets at least in my mind, you know, when I listen to community, like a common interest or uh, a reference point that many people can relate to. Why do people join communities? And what, what are their expectations of joining a community? There are a lot of different reasons that people would join just as there are a lot of different ways to think about communities. But a lot of it is born out of trying to find a sense of belonging or even just having a go-to group of people that they know they can talk to. They're, the barrier to entry is much lower because you know, hey, this person is interested in Java and I am interested in Java and I have these questions, so let's connect. Um, but also a support system, like knowing that there are other people who are having a shared experience in addition to that interest is a really good driver of someone joining a community. And I think what, what people can expect is that you know they're going to be respected and listened to and that there's some kind of value for them in that community that they couldn't get elsewhere and that could be as simple as you know making connections with other people in that space that they wouldn't be able to find elsewhere or having those additional resources and knowledge share from additional people in the community or from whoever is managing that community, whether it's an organization or something else. There's a lot of giving and taking within the community, right? Totally. And I think that's such an important distinction when it comes to what a community is versus what an audience is, because an audience can still be interested about a particular topic or, or interest or company. Um, but they aren't necessarily making those connections and it's the connections that are so important and, and really help define the community. Yeah. And thank you for making, you know, this distinction between community and uh, audience, you know, audience uh, sometimes, you know, communication is one way versus, you know, within the community, there are multiple ways where communication uh, goes to. So within a community, what do you think that drives the engagement? Oh boy. Um, a bunch of stuff. A bunch of stuff is my short answer. But to, to dig into it a bit more, I, I think like having interesting and relevant topics and events really helps drive engagement. Something that people can really think about and want to participate in. And then as much as consistency is critical for engagement, you know, where people could look forward to participating in some kind of routine discussion or thread or event or whatever, Doing fun, different, or even unexpected things also really helps drive engagement. And that could be 
honestly anything, but I think just making sure that ultimately everything is relevant uh, is the key to driving engagement within any kind of community space. Yeah, exactly. And within this, I'll use the word system, but you know, uh, it's much more than uh, simply that. What's the community manager's role in that? It's a multifaceted role and it can be kind of a hodgepodge for better or for worse. You know, a community manager's ultimate role is to create a welcoming and safe environment for members of the community to gather and to help facilitate relationships between members and and also the organization, especially if this is like a product community or um, something where there is an actual entity behind it rather than some a community space that's purely uh, one of interest. And so that can take a lot of different shapes as to you know what that what the execution of that role is for a community manager, um, which could be hosting events or creating content or, you know, making direct one-on-one connections between members, moderating the community, long-term strategy, research, data analytics, the list goes on and on, but it all ties back to creating that environment for community members to connect and engage and facilitating those relationships. It sounds like a community manager has a very key role within the community. So how does a community manager's daily life look like? It can honestly look pretty different for any kind of role. And I think that it changes, especially with the type of community and the type of organization that you're at. So there are a bunch of different types of communities and each of them has different requirements for how you go about, you know, doing the stuff that I just talked about. But I can give a couple examples from my own personal life uh, to help frame things for people. So, you know, when I was at Reddit, a lot of that community management role was less about the kind of the touchy-feely stuff and more about the actual enforcement of site rules and then assisting moderators with their with enforcement of their own subreddit rules or whatever else they would need. And long-term, that looked different, but that was kind of what my day-to-day was, right? Where I was on the ground interacting with people and trying to make sure that the website was as safe as possible, which when you have a website that big is very difficult. Um, But in uh, another role at a different company, my current company, um, there's very little moderation needed, partially thanks to the fact that everyone in our community is a community manager and gets it. Um, But so without needing to moderate, a lot of my time is spent hosting events, creating content, and working on strategy. And that kind of all is in a a daily thing, but also more long-term as well. And so I think for any community manager, any given day could have a combination of responding to messages from community members, which honestly could take up much of the day, depending on the size of your community and the volume of messages and kind of what their expectations are for how you engage with them. Writing content if you have a newsletter or a blog, working with marketing, uh, because you know, if they are running campaigns that have any impact on your community, you should absolutely be working with them. So making those connections internally, whether it's marketing or other teams, and 
you know, maybe you have additional projects like an ambassador program or a mentorship program, and you might have some miscellaneous tasks related to those on any given day. And, you know, the list goes on. That was a lot of rambling stuff, but hopefully it gives a really good look into the, the varied responsibilities that a community manager would have. Yeah, no, it, it really does. And, you know, there are, you know, because a community is a real, you know, living organism with different yeah. people interacting with different needs, different wants, different perspectives, you know, it's it's something that's really can, your daily life can vary uh, largely, you know, depending on what needs or what people want or what they need or what, uh, and as you said, you know, working with marketing, you know, what has come out from our side, you know, as a company, what, uh, what message have we shared and how people react to it, et cetera. It's, there's yeah, a lot of, a lot of things going on. And to your point about, you never know what's going to happen. You, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> and, you know, you could go into the day saying, Hey, you know, this is what tasks I plan on working on. And then you find out that a, a member has gone and, you know, maybe destroyed your message board or your forums or posted a bunch of gore or whatever. And then you have to go and clean that up. Or maybe there's a world event that happens and you have to figure out how that impacts not only your organization, but your community and what your messaging is. And so there's a lot that can impact what you do on a, on a daily basis. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's definitely a lot. Uh, which, you know, kind of brings me to the next question that only comes out, you know, naturally, since you have to take care of so many things and, you know, within those things, it's actually taking care of people at the same time, which are the characteristics of a good community manager? Being a great babysitter is probably a good one to have. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think really like a strong generalist because you have so many different things that are expected of you being able to not only understand how to do all of them and to be creative and come up with stuff on the fly, but also to be hyper-organized because you're going to be tapped into so many different projects within the community itself. And then also internally, because it's not just operating in a silo, right? You know, you have impact on every other team within your organization. And, you know, to that point as well, being really good at communication is critical. And I think that that goes to not only how you speak internally to people or how you speak to your community itself, but also being able to, you know, write stuff and uh, create content that people are interested in and value and also like figuring out how you deal with any crises that may come up. And so it's important to have those chops as well. A really important thing is empathy. And I think that can be kind of hard to come by because it's definitely one of those softer skills, but I think you can really learn how to empathize with people just by having conversations with folks. Like there, there have been times in my life where I have said that I'm a misanthrope and I still to this day believe that, but I have a lot of empathy for people and what they are dealing with and going through and understanding context, which I think any really good community manager can and should be able to do. And then lastly, I think it's important for any community manager to be able to understand and interpret data. 
whether that's for, you know, having those internal conversations about what value the community is bringing the organization, or even just understanding like, hey, I spent a lot of time on this particular event series and no one cared at all. Like, maybe I shouldn't do it again. And so being able to understand the, the data from your efforts and pivoting based on that is also important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, to just to summarize, you said good communication skills, uh, empathy, of course, is a must. I think this might be the skill that has come up, you know, most times in the podcast as a what skill it's good to have, you know, nice. because you're obviously interacting with people. You're also trying, you know, to solve problems. So you need to understand their point of view, you know, the least so you can start on working out the solution. At least this is how I see it. Yeah. Uh, so we have communication, we have empathy, we have uh, being able to understand data. So this is great to hear, especially for someone, uh, you know, we at Slash Data, you know, are uh, sharing this data with the world. So, of course, our audience is talking about developer audiences and uh, it's good to understand, you know, what developers want, what developers need. So I guess this in turn makes uh, your work life easier too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And also making sure that everyone uh, follows the rules, right? Uh, so you can provide a safe environment for people to interact. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think, you know, being flexible and able to think on the fly are are so important. Yeah, yeah. Definitely flexible too. And uh, a big time multitasker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned before uh, about uh, working with marketing too, which is... Uh, I'll use uh, the word standard for it. It's like a standard Mm -hmm. department uh, within a company. So where do you think the community manager should sit under a company? Uh, I am wildly biased, but it should be a standalone team. Um, (laughs) That said, if it has to ladder up through a different department, it really, it, it doesn't matter which one it is so long as the goals and the vision are aligned. And I think that's kind of what gets missed when you think about structuring a community team and, you know, the goals of community and marketing typically are a little bit different and it's okay if community ladders up through marketing, so long as they have those conversations and align on what the expectations are. Um, so, you know, there are community teams that I'm aware of that ladder up through product. There are some that ladder up through engineering and others that are HR. And I think that any of those could potentially be a good fit so long as the, the purpose of the community and the goals are understood and, you know, appreciated and worked towards within whatever department they sit in. Best case scenario, it's a standalone team, the community department. Otherwise, this is definitely a hybrid role. Yeah. We talked about, you know, the roles within the company and we've mentioned, uh, we've already discussed, you know, developer communities, which of course is the main audience of the people people who are listening to, to this podcast for developer marketing relations and advocacy. So how are developer communities different from non-developer communities? This may not be the answer that you're hoping for, but maybe it is. But uh, to me and my position and, you know, I've never been a developer relations manager or a community manager for a developer specific community, but I've worked with a lot of them. And I think that there really aren't that many differences between dev communities and non-dev communities. I think that there are certain aspects that are important 
more important to highlight and dedicate efforts to within developer communities, but they're still important for non-dev ones as well. And, you know, it's, it's still all about creating those welcoming and safe environments for members and providing value, right? And I know in developer communities, like trust is super, super critical and, you know, making sure that that is a priority when you are working with a developer developer community is really important. And to me, to me, again, caveat, it just is that the purpose is a little bit different, right? You know, it's still an interest-based community, but that interest just so happens to be a programming language or a dev-specific company or, or what have you. So yes, that's my non-answer for your question. <laughs> no, this is actually good to hear because in a way we've always discussed, you know, how developers are kind of different from, you know, non-technical people. I think, you know, the the most important thing is, uh, you said it, to treat them as, you know, any other type of people that comes to solve problems and find value in communicating with each other and getting support where they need. It's just that one major difference that it's too technical, uh, for some Mm -hmm. at least, or much more technical than your average community, uh, to put it in a better way. And also, you know, trust is of essence because these people will be spending hours even trying what you have to offer. Yeah. And I think with developer communities, a lot of it is much more focused on creating, I guess. And please tell me if that's not a fair assumption to make, you know, this is, this is me and my outsider opinion (laughs) and vision of things. But I think that's one of the reasons why trust is so important is it's like, folks in developer communities and especially open source ones are creating together, Mm -hmm. right? And that's not necessarily the case for a non-dev community. And so being able to ensure that they can trust that the work that they're doing, you know, probably for free is valued and that you're not just going to, you know, take it and run with it or, or do shady things. So I think that, you know, I would probably recommend for a community manager looking to manage developer communities, as you said, you know, have experience in those particular things because they're much more technical and specific and being able to, you know, walk the walk in addition to talking the talk is really important, but ultimately the the skills and the requirements for managing those communities are the same as a non-developer one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree there. Totally agree with that. We've discussed, you know, the the value for those joining the community, you know, from the community's uh, perspective. Uh, if we look at it from the business perspective, so what do you think is the business value of a community? I'm going to try my best not to ramble through this because this is actually one of the key initiatives that uh, we're working on at Comstore and the Community Club is... Uh, it's called the community-led declaration, which is, it's just focused on that, right? Is the importance of community and the value that it brings to the business and taking a look at how community touches each and every team within the organization and the value that it's bringing to those. Um, So I'm going to try and consolidate all of my thoughts and feelings down um, and just do like quick hits for each of these. So uh, communities and the community team 
like touch everything, right? Product support, marketing, sales, any other teams that you have, like it, it will impact it in some way. You maybe just haven't thought of it yet, but thinking about kind of the main ones would be, you know, community members are your best customers typically, right? And if they aren't your actual customers, they are people who are most likely interested in whatever your organization or business is doing. Um, and so product can work super closely with the community team and within the community to build the best product, right? You can get beta users right there. You can get uh, product feedback. You can just like build with your community members and you will build a better product, right? And when you think about support, uh, it shouldn't be a way to downsize your support efforts. I think that there's a lot of companies that have kind of gone about this the wrong way where they're like, oh, great, okay, we have a community. And so we can eliminate, you know, 20% of our support staff. When in reality, it's like, okay, maybe they should then focus their efforts elsewhere. But it does reduce low-hanging fruit support tickets, right? You can rely on your community to work together to kind of answer these easy questions. And so, you know, maybe your support team then can focus on creating other, maybe they focus on education stuff for your customers and whatever. There's like a lot of things you can do there. Community and marketing should work so closely together for pretty much everything um, because marketing is always talking about, you know, what your company is up to. And maybe they're talking about what your community is up to. And if they are doing those things, they impact your community. And so being aligned will help you, you know, create the best content because you'll actually know what your community cares about. And if your community is your best customers, then you know what your customers care about. And people who are out there in the ether, like they will most likely also care about that same content, which will help you be thought leaders in the space, which helps drive, you know, brand trust. And there are additional ways you can drive brand trust and marketing where, you know, elevate your community members. So you can work together with the community team to figure out who the best members or even not best, but just, you know, interesting, de dedicated, whoever um, are in your community, which, you know, if they're customers, increases retention right there because they trust what you're doing and they can see that you value them. And so they will value you more. And I guess sales will be the last one that I touch on because I can feel this ramble coming too close, but it's a great like soft entrance to the sales process. So rather than doing cold outreach um, with an SDR, I mean, you can still do that. Don't get me wrong, but it's another entrance point into your sales funnel because you can build that solid trusted relationship with potential customers. And that helps expedite the sales process and requires fewer upfront resources to kind of make those connections and earn the recognition and trust of those customers. So for example, within our own community, we intentionally keep our community separate from our company and we don't use it as a sales funnel at all. But because we have created a ton of trust within our community space, when people find out like, oh, you guys are behind Comstore, like I would love a demo. And it's such, we're kind of unique, but I think the same uh, 
the same process and expectation can apply to almost any organization. Um, it's just about how you structure things and how you talk about it. Um, yeah, okay, I'm done, ramble over. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first of all, that was not really a ramble, uh, uh, <laughs> but it was, you know, a bullet list of, you know, why this is important to have, you know, the, the real value. So a huge thank you for, sharing this because it's i think you you've made it really clear of why businesses should really consider building and working and engaging with their the communities maybe they're already having because i, I don't really like the word you know build a community you know build sure. from scratch your community is already out there you know as soon as you uh, since you're out there your community is too all you need is i guess to find them and uh, help them yeah yeah that's that's a, a great way of thinking about it honestly so one other thing I have, it's, you know, I mentioned it uh, in the beginning of the episode, you know, for upcoming Future Developer Summit episode, we'll be looking at how developers and of course the developer communities can help a business growth. Based solely on that concept, there is like a pretty key question that I have is how do you measure success? This is a really tough one and honestly has been one of the primary struggles of community people for decades at this point. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's kind of a squishy answer because I think ultimately success depends on the goals of your community and the goals of your organization. Um, and so it's important to not get bogged down in meaningless vanity metrics, which are so easy to do because they're so easy to find. And it's important to kind of have that additional context and the way that I like to talk about this is like be data augmented, not data driven when it comes to measuring success and making, making decisions about your community. Um, and so I personally like to think about things from a, a much higher level and I'm going to talk about what our flavor of success looks like. Um, and you can use this kind of as a guide, but I think there are a lot of really good ways that you can measure success, but it all just is dependent upon what your goals are. Um, and sometimes it may not be, you know, metrics or a number, but it's more of a, did we do this thing or did we not do this thing? Um, which can be hard. And so I think it's important that you've, figure out the best way to speak internally to the rest of your teams to talk about what success is and to try and speak the same language that they're speaking. Um, but it's going to take a little bit more effort on your part as the community person at your company. Um, so for us, uh, it's really important to take a look at, you know, how many people are finding our content, joining our audience, and then moving into an active community member. And because we have a private closed community, it's pretty easy for me to track that journey of, you know, someone finds something that we wrote on, on our blog or on our forum, um, and then they start following us on Twitter or one of our other places that we exist on the internet. And then they apply to be a community member and they will tell us like how they found us. And so there are people that have, you know, followed us on Twitter and then joined our forum and then from our forum found uh, that we have a mentorship program and then have applied and joined the mentorship program. And so seeing that 
chain of events is one of the success metrics that I track. And then another one, like what I talked about before, is members requesting introductions to the sales team because they trust us in our community. And with us, again, we're a little bit different, but I think the general concept can apply to pretty much any community. And it's, you know, understanding maybe how long they've been in the community, what their engagement looks like, and then whatever the catalyzing event was for them to reach out and request that intro. So that's another thing that I track. An easier one is participation in events because that's like a good way to see how many people are actually interested in what you are doing. And you can tie that back to, um, you know, how that impacts their journey through the community and how it impacts their journey into sales and things like that. And then the last big one, there are other smaller things that we track too, but the big one is retention. So understanding the various touch points along their journey, but then also how long are they in your community and what does that community journey look like? Um, You know, it's one thing to say, oh, you know, we have... 10,000 community members and, you know, 2,000 of them joined last month. And you're like, okay, well, why does that matter? And when you then start taking a look and it's like, okay, well, now three months later, 1,500 of those 2,000 are still active within the community. That's where you actually start to have that interesting picture that you can dig into and understand, okay, well, what happened to the drop-off of those 500? And how does this then compare to... Uh, you know, six months ago and that three-month cohort, what does their attention look like in comparison and understanding what events you did, what engagement tactics may have impacted that. Um, But it's also important to look at like world events because a pandemic perhaps may have an impact on how people participate and behave within a community space. Well, thank you. I know this was a tough question. I really agree with the points you made. Uh, you know, there's no golden rule here that this is, or a perfect recipe. But uh, as you said, you need to be looking at what are your goals as a as a company, and then try to figure out uh, the things that matter. For example, thank you for mentioning retention. Uh, I hadn't thought of that, and I. Now that you mentioned it, I was thinking, okay, how did I not think of this uh, <laughs> earlier? Uh, so thank you very much for that. And speaking of, you know, measuring success, uh, what's a success story, a community success story that uh, stands out to you? Salesforce's Trailblazer community is the community <laughs> success yeah. story that I love. And it feels like such a boring topic because it's Salesforce, but... <laughs> They have such a cool community that they have formed around it. And I've had the pleasure of meeting a number of people who have worked with that community and helped like create a lot of the programming around it and get it to where it is today. And it's just super cool understanding how they took something that, in my personal opinion, is quite dull uh, and turned it into something super engaging with, I think they have like at least over a million, if not multiple millions of active members within that community, all doing a bunch of different stuff. And I think it's a real shining beacon, honestly, for what certainly enterprise community can look like, but also just in general, um, how you can really take, start small, you start small and then you build on it. And I think they just started as like a basic forum in 
maybe 2006 or seven. And it was just a forum, right? And then yeah. based on interactions with people who were super active in that forum, they started to understand like, oh, these people would be interested in doing these other programs. And so let's look at what that looks like and figure out how to get our members involved and to empower them and give them the ability to, you know, do stuff on top of what we are already doing. And it just grew from there and now is so huge. And I honestly, the quality of the events that the community puts on are outstanding and, um, just knowledge sharing and collaboration and creativity. I think it's a really cool example um, for anyone looking to see like, what, what does something that has been around for a long time and started really small look like today and how did they get there? Yeah. It's also one of my favorite uh, examples too. And nice. uh, we were lucky ha uh, enough to have, you know, someone from Salesforce uh, talk about it in this podcast, you know, a couple of episodes back, it was Arabella David, but yeah, I, I agree. This is a very cool example of how, how the community also, you know, uh, and the company evolve uh, together, you know, to do great things together. Yeah. And I think that it's, a great example of like when a when an organization actually supports and provides enough resources for a community team like you can do super cool very successful things like this yeah yeah exactly exactly how do you think uh communities will evolve in the future this one's tough because the industry has already changed so much in the past 18 months that yeah. things that i thought were true or would come to pass. Uh, now I'm like, Oh God. Okay. So that was totally off base and was not expecting <laughs> any of this. So uh, with that caveat uh, where I'm at right now is that I think that communities will end up being more exclusive in many ways. Um, and I know that people have talked about like the unbundling of Reddit and various other um, much larger community platforms, but I think that's kind of spot on. And I think that despite my example of Salesforce having millions of people in their community and they're successful, I think that it is much easier to have a successful community when it is smaller because you can build those trusted relationships faster and I can see how almost any company could find value in that. I think that hybridized communities will also be more of a thing. I know they sort of exist right now, but rather than solely being an in-person or an online community, I think we're going to see a lot more of both. Yeah. And then I think lastly, you know, more communities will become actual businesses. So rather than it being a company like Salesforce creating a community, it'll be people who are interested in design, uh, like DesignX, I think is a great example, becoming businesses in and of themselves. So more paid communities that aren't tied to an organization. And I think there's a lot of room to get super creative with that too. Like membership can be done in a bunch of different ways and you can support it in a lot of interesting situations that wouldn't necessarily be available were you attached to an organization. I think the point you made about, you know, 
uh, instead of businesses building communities, having communities build businesses, uh, yeah. sounds really exciting. And I'm actually looking forward to seeing more examples of that. Yeah. And I think there's, because there's so much collaboration in communities as well, like people are really smart and doing really cool mm-hmm. stuff and having the ability to do that within a community space uh, gives that freedom to, you know, test things and fail and not have there be consequences like there would be in an organizational ecosystem. And so I think that we're going to see some really neat stuff come out of that. Yeah, I've seen, for example, in in open source project, you know, people, uh, some people who are really engaged with them and then after, you know, were hired by companies, you know, to, to keep doing that, you know, there's a lot of examples on that, but taking, you know, the community and transforming it into a business will be a great 2020 plus uh, grassroots movement uh, that will be definitely very interesting to to see how uh, how it goes. Yeah, I uh, I really hope that it shakes out that way because I think that, you know, sometimes it sucks working for a large company and it would be nice to be able to work with other creatives and build something that could be successful and spun out from a community space. Alex, it's been great having you on the show. If someone wants to hear more from you, how can they reach you? I guess you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Alex Angel, A-N-G-E-L. I am on Twitter, but I don't really use Twitter, but sometimes I feel like using Twitter and it is knitting for cats, uh, the number four. And you could find me on the.community.club slash Alex, which is where I post some of my longer form content um, that is research or musings or what have you about community things. That's perfect. And to close on a positive note, what's one good thing that happened in 2020? As cheesy as the sounds, uh, finding my dream job was the best part of 2020. Uh, I honestly, I never imagined I'd have the opportunity to both build community and to figure out an ecosystem of services that helps support and empower community professionals because I just feel like they're there's so much that was missing in the space and I wanted to figure out how to build it. And now, now I can, and I just still can't even believe how lucky I am, but also we got kittens and that was pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Kittens and all was great. And uh, I don't think we could end on a more positive note. So Alex, it's been great having you. Thank you so much for sharing your uh, insights and community. I'm sure this will help a lot of people and it definitely helped me better understand community. Well, I I so appreciate you having me on. And, um, you know, I, I may not be an expert on developer communities, but I'm super passionate about it and supporting people who are doing that. So I, I felt very lucky that you wanted to have me on as a guest. Yeah, developers are people too. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, many things are overlapping. So thank you very much for joining us. And uh, thank you all for listening to Under the Hood of Developer Marketing, the podcast devoted to developer marketing and relations, and of course, community. You can listen to all episodes, find free resources and the latest news at devrolex.com. You can also subscribe to our bite-sized bi-weekly digest or follow us on Twitter at slash data HQ. Thank you very much. <laughs>